This is the absurd journey of three church planners reintroducing familiar ideas in unfamiliar ways. This is the Bless Up Podcast. All right, this is episode two of the Bless Up Podcast. My name is Rachel Hunka, and I'm here with my co hosts, James Thomas Talbert and Corey Hunka. And this week, we want to talk about a specific thing that I think the three of us um, have learned the hard way, I might say. And that is, we want to talk about learning how to raise your voice well. And specifically, what we're thinking is, you know, like a couple weeks ago, we just had this huge conference here in Canton, Ohio. It's called the Absurd Conference. And it's a conference that seeks to connect, equip, and empower the church for discussions on race, justice, and diversity. And we really seek to create a create a celebration of kingdom diversity out of that conference. And, you know, I know for me, when I come down from these mountaintop experiences, these spaces where I feel like I have experienced God, I'm so energized, I leave and I feel drained, like I left it all there. And then a couple days later, I'm like, man, what do, what do I do with all that? Because the reality is if we have these mountaintop experiences, but then we do nothing with them, it was just a huge waste of our time. It was something really fun that we experienced and then just goes to the back of our heads and we never do anything with it. And so what we want to what we want to talk about right now is just learning how to raise your voice the right way. So I just want to pose the question right now. How hard was it for you to learn to raise your voice? And man, what's a time that you just face planted when you th- you thought you said something so bomb and then everybody was just like, <laughs> man, you sound like a jerk. That's every Sunday for me, but <laughs> I don't know about you. What do you think? What do you think? How, how have you learned how to raise your voice and when's the time, man, you just face planted? I mean, learn. I mean, I just feel like I'm dope at it. You know, I go to conferences like absurd and I come <laughs> home and I'm like, you know what? Dope people like Onia told me that you are a white supremacist. So I'm going to my workplace, my family, and everybody else who I think is a white supremacist, and I'm going to rock their world. Yeah. <laughs> right? But in all seriousness, like, I'll never forget, in 2015, I went to the Kainas Conference, and I heard Brian Loritz and Dr. Eric Mason and Dr. Corey Edwards for the first time, and a bunch of people talk about things that just made sense of my story. So they begin to talk about what it means to be black and predominantly white organizations. And they begin to just talk about and break down the difference between race and ethnicity and culture. And then they would connect what the scripture said to it. And I remember my heart was absolutely set ablaze. Like I was there with my pal, Tim Talley and Carl Olson, and we're there in Memphis eating Gus's fried chicken and central barbecue and just like having our faces melted off by this incredible conference. So I came back and I was convinced that every white space I was in was about to like hear from me about these incredible things that I learned. But man, I think I, I think I lost sight of the Jesus way and the Jesus idea. And man, I like gave my pearls to swine Mm. And like my pearls just got straight trampled on. And it was heartbreaking in a sense that these things that I cared about so deeply and these things that, man, this experience that I just had that made so much sense in my heart, just literally like 
got trampled on by people. I talked to my boss about it at my job at that time. Uh, for those of you who know, yeah, you it know. was it was you there. Just know. You just know. But I talked to my <laughs> boss at that time, and my boss said, "Do you really think these are issues that are happening in Northeast Ohio?" You went to a conference that's in the South. Do you think these are things that happen in the North? Mm-hmm. And like, I felt like my head was going to explode. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was just a situation where I came back guns blazing and there was no strategy behind me saying, what does it actually mean to, to raise my voice well in these spaces? Yeah, I think uh, you said what you're hitting on is, is incredibly important. I think the biggest learning point that I have had is, um, is been that not everyone is going to hear it from me. Mm. Right. Like, like, you know, in, in, in scripture, we read about hardened hearts or, um, you know, the passage that I'm speaking of or thinking of specifically is, uh, is in Luke 10 where Jesus sends out the, the disciples and he tells them like, go, go door to door, you know, go door to door and pray for peace to be in that house. And if you are, if peace is returned to you, meaning if the person opens the door and they receive you into their home, man, stay right there, right? Stay right there. Eat, drink, uh, whatever they provide for you. Um, but if peace is not returned to you, if they do not welcome you in their home, don't try and force your way into the doorway. Don't put your foot in the doorstop and, and, and force yourself, like force yourself in there. Um, but pray that, Pray that they'll be receptive of something and move on. And I think that for me, I had to realize that because of who I am, because of where I come from, because of my genetic makeup, there are going to be certain people who are able to hear things from me and certain people who like just won't. Um, And I have to spiritually discern um, where those spaces are for me to to speak um, and then when I'm met with a hardened heart, <clears throat> absolutely say my piece, you know, like say, say what God has convicted my heart to say. Um, but, but the answer is to not, is to not just keep pushing, right. Is to not just keep, keep knocking down that door. Um, and I think simultaneously, you know, that for me, like my personality, right? Like we all have, we all have a dark side of our personality. We all have a weapon system, if you will. Right. And for me, it's a, it's a complete and total, you know, bazooka. Like my thing is if I don't feel heard or if I don't feel like you're, you're receiving me, I'm gonna blow up the spot. Like I want to, I I want to pull the trigger and I'm going to knock you over. I'm going to knock anything that, that is around you over. I'm going to knock everything that you stand for. Like I'm just going to tear the whole thing down until there is absolutely nothing less because you should have listened to me. But the the spiritual reality is I don't I don't see too many instances in scripture where Jesus blew up the spot like that. Uh and so it's not, you know, that's not that's not a spiritual response. That's a that's a coming from me. I don't know I don't know if this is a female thing, if it's an introvert thing, um, if it's just a lack of confidence thing. I don't know. But for me, the journey to learning how to raise my voice well came with years. And when I say years, I mean literal years. I'm talking going all the way back to like middle school. Um, When I would have something to say, I would just nod and I would would smile 
eventually I, you might be able to read on my face that I felt that what was happening was cringy. Mm -hmm. But then I would leave, I would go home and I'd be laying in my bed thinking of all the things that I was going to say and how, oh man, I had the best thing. I should have said this and I should have said this. And next time I'm going to say it like this. And then when I became an adult and found myself in professional spaces, it would be, I know I got this meeting coming up today. There might be a confrontational point. And I'm standing in the shower, like washing my hair for 20 minutes because I'm just running through what I'm going to say in this meeting. And then the meeting comes and I'm like, I... No, never mind. That that sounds good. That sounds good. And then it eventually reaches this point where I just explode and every sin I have ever seen, I'm going to start listing them all. I'm like, you did this. You're low key racist. I think you hate women. One time you kicked my dog and your kids are ugly. Oh. Like I'm going to throw everything at the kids? you. The kids too? I just say things. You say things you don't even mean when Man. you get in that moment. You say things you don't even actually believe in that moment. Because you've spent years suppressing your voice, and then all of a sudden, you just incredible Hulk. You just Hulk on the whole room, and it's just done. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it. I feel it so deeply. And for someone who is, like, at least, like, the weapon system, like, wired similarly, that, like, happens to me often, where it's, like, when I've gone so long trying to, like, be a peacemaker and like create peace and create like a peaceful situation. And then it just like boils over and like my voice is like so loud that it's like deafening mm -hmm. and it's like not heard at all. And I think like in raising my voice in the right way, what I've been learning, like, man, the hard way as of late, which I guess is the way that I learn the hard way. But what I've been learning more than anything is like, there's a difference between rightness and righteousness. Mm -hmm. So even in conversations like yeah. mm -hmm. when it comes to race, when it comes to when it comes to gender inequity, which is a humongous deal for me, like inside and outside of the church, something I feel called to fight for, like rightness and righteousness are just two completely different things. Like when I find myself in battles of rightness, I find myself like in a battle for pride. And it's me saying, like, how can I be right? What is the way that I can prove you wrong? And, like, mm -hmm. in the battle of rightness, like, it's devoid of love. Like, love is not found in that equation anywhere. And what I've realized is, like, there are right ways to correct people. Mm -hmm. And there are right ways to raise my voice. And there are right ways to actually say that, like, hey, what you're talking about is crazy. But Galatians 6 teaches me to do it with love and meekness. And to see the humanity in the other person and not try to go for their throats. When when I'm acting in rightness, like I'm I'm going for going for throats. Mm -hmm. I'm going for the knockout punch. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm right. Yeah. And I need you to know that I'm right. Maybe because of, maybe for your sake. But <laughs> but probably but for also your mostly sake. for my sake, right? Like I need you to know. I need you to know that I'm right. I think you know, so that so that's something that that we all kind of share is like the idea of, um, you know, we can't. It's not a it's not necessarily a spiritual response to blow up the spot like that, right? right? We can all kind of resonate with that. I think the tension that I've that I've often felt, and this for me goes back to when we were in Columbus together last last summer um, with Dr. Corey Edwards at Ohio State. 
and she's presenting presenting her research and um as she's as she's like listing the descriptions of um of what people in our positions uh, have been going through i'm like near tears because it's like it's like she i felt like you know the 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 i think i said this before but the woman at the well was like come see about about a man who told me all i ever did like that that's what it felt like to me and i felt simultaneously like hurt because like dang there's all these people going through it but also justified in like other people think and experience this too and other people feel this tension too and so what i realized is that just as i can't keep pushing and and pounding on the door forcing my way inside i also can't just abdicate like i also can't just like throw my hands in the air and just and just give up because this tension is real there are people all over the place who 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 feel this and and so to some extent you know i can't force my way in the door but i do still need to to use my voice and to speak up because these are biblical convictions so what is like the balance that i mean either of you like what is the balance that you think you found um that kind of that kind of speaks to that like i don't want to i don't want to knock the door over but also it's not appropriate to just to just throw our hands in the air or just completely log off if you will and just not say anything i think my friend o'neill kwabi articulated it better than I could or anyone ever could for that matter. When she said, we don't fight people, we fight systems. Mm -hmm. So that at absurd, right? She said that right at the absurd conference, mm -hmm. we don't fight people. We fight systems. And I think for me, the balance comes in my pursuit to dismantle systems. Yeah. And me remembering that like a person is not a system, like a person bears God's image a person is more than their perspective. Mm -hmm. A person has stories and experiences that make up why they've gotten to that space and to that place. So I have grace for people. I want to dismantle systems. So right when I see redlining in my neighborhood, I want to do everything I can to like dismantle that evil satanic system. Yep. When I see like institutionalized racism, plaguing institutions and keeping people down, I'm going to do whatever I can to fight against those systems. So whether it's writing letters, whether it's rallying people, whether it's doing whatever I possibly can to fight those things, I want to dismantle that. But when it comes to people, when I'm sitting across from people, I'm listening for stories. I'm trying to I'm trying to connect to people, to people's hearts, knowing that the reality is like I have a responsibility to to love them as my neighbor. You know, I think when I look back at um, just the journey that I have been on, because um, when I entered straight up, when I entered the ministry world, I was not even a Christian. I liked Jesus, but I had a really difficult time with his people. And then as I found my way back into the church, I still liked Jesus, but I still had a really difficult time with his people. And the way that I'm wired is that if something isn't right, I feel the need to blow it up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if this is if, if this is not right, like what you are doing is wrong and I'm so angry and I just want to blow this whole thing up. And as a as a young Christian seeking advice from people, you know, everybody always wanted to point out to me the passage where Jesus flipped tables. They're like, hey, it's okay, Jesus flipped tables. And that made me feel justified in my blowing up spaces. 
I'm like, well, this is just a modern day table flip. I'm coming in and and I'm going to let people have it. And it's I my can't. top three form favorite for one of my top three favorite forms of Jesus. <laughs> Maybe someday we'll count them down from one to one to like five. But one of my top three favorite forms of Jesus is table flipping. Table Jesus. flipping Jesus. Yes, Listen, I love table I, flipping Jesus. I like table flipping Jesus too. Um, but I say this all the time. This will be the first time you guys are hearing it on this podcast. But I say this all the time. My mother is the best person I know. She is the best person I know and the greatest example of Christ. And when I look at my mom, she's so bold and she's so quiet. Yeah. She has just this presence that you know that this woman knows Jesus. And she does things and nobody knows it. Nobody sees it. Half the time, I don't even think she's aware of how big things that she that she does are. And I've learned from watching her, I have learned that Jesus flipped tables, but sometimes I should just sit at them. Mm. Jesus flipped tables, but for me, my role is not necessarily to flip tables because when my anger gets activated, I'm done. I, I see red. I'm lighting things on fire in my mind, and my temper is uncontrollable. I am not someone who can flip tables. There are people who can. I'm not. Because when my anger gets triggered, there's no coming back from it. And so for me to raise my voice well and to figure out that, that balance, how to navigate that tension that you were talking about, I can't flip the table. I need to sit at the table. And then I need the bravery to say what it is that I feel the Spirit is prompting me to say. Because I've realized how many times, um, you know, God is bigger than me. If I if I don't say it, He's going to put it on somebody else's mind to say it. He might have put it on mine, and I got too scared. And the kingdom of God is so much bigger than me and my mistakes that He'll put it on somebody else's heart as well. And so once that person would jump in, then I get the boldness to join them. And now I've reached a point where I feel more confident in in understanding and discerning what the Spirit is is saying to me and what it's prompting me to do. That now. <laughs> I don't feel a need to flip the table because I'm welcoming the conversations because it's those relationships that you build with people that are truly going to bring about change. Sitting in front of somebody and telling them about themselves, that works sometimes if that if that is a way that person receives it, if that's a way a person can receive challenge. But more often than not, for me, again, I'm talking about for me and maybe even some people who are wired like me, it's not that I need to flip the table. It's that I need to take a seat. Yeah, and I need and I need to learn about my neighbors, and and there's probably places where I thought I was right, and I might have went in to flip something, yeah. and I realized I was wrong. Yeah, I think that's a big thing that it comes down to for me too. Is is what does the person that I'm engaging with, or the person that I'm, you know, raising my voice to, um, what what do they need, right? Like what what do they need? Do they need do they need encouragement? Right. Because some people some people are are leading their lives out of just straight up anger or pain or fear or whatever. And in a lot of those instances, they need to be met actually with encouragement. So where I'm burning mad because of something that you have said or done or whatever, actually, like what is needed is is support. Right. It's 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 encouragement. And you might watch this like wall of of anger kind of fall down 
or sometimes genuinely, like I would probably say in the instance that, that you mentioned, yeah, that needed challenged that, that needed like, like what, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, no, this, this, this needs to, you need to be pushed, right? You've been protected from this conversation for a very long time. I'm here to put you on notice that you can't be protected from this conversation anymore like this this needs to this needs to move forward so like do they need challenge so so all of that is good for like what our posture should be but do you guys think like is there a particular posture in the other person that you look for before you're even willing to to engage either support or challenge i'm thinking specifically of james when you and i went to mlk 50 in memphis a few years ago and one of the presenters got up there and said first and foremost i want to make this clear i'm not talking about or to fools and what he meant by that was he said i'm not talking about the people who can't accept even see that racism still exists and racism is a problem i'm not even going to talk to them right now because they're fools i'm gonna let god deal with them i'm gonna talk to this specifically so like is there a certain posture or certain understanding that you have to see from somebody before you're even willing to engage or raise your voice or is it just kind of like like what do you what do you yeah what do you guys look for yeah i would first say like it takes a deep amount of discernment to actually like be able to like navigate through like when to raise your voice when it's best to raise your voice when not to raise your voice at all and how to do it so I would first say, like, if you haven't bathed the issue in prayer, yep. if you haven't bathed the issue in prayer, then the people around you are going to smell the stench of your arrogance. Like, please bathe the issue in prayer. That's good. Oh, I got to like, go. <laughs> like, please bathe the issue in prayer. I've learned that these are all things that I'm learning the hard way. Not learn. These are things I'm learning the hard way. And I think the reality for, like, these folks is... In some instances, like, I think you have, like, table flipping Jesus. And in some instance, like, you need to go in and you need to let them know. Like, you need to go in and you need to tell them that the way that they're acting, the way that the organization is acting. And, yeah, if you find yourself in this situation, you please discern with your spouse or someone else. Like, you have to be ready to, like, lose your job. You have to be ready to pay the cost. You got to be ready to like cash the check. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like, yep. So when you do that, I think you have to really count the cost and you have to really discern, but there are some instances when that is necessary and when that is called for, I think though, I think a regulatory practice though is like, man, asking people like how they got to that point. Mm -hmm. When you hear someone's story, stories are bridges that connect worlds. Oh, like when you hear someone's story, like I've never sat down with someone, heard their story and not been able to empathize. Mm -hmm. And when someone shares their story and you share your story, there's an empathy that's built. And I feel like in that you will know whether or not it's time for you to raise your voice or not, because you'll hear things in their story and you'll say, you know what? Maybe we need to address some hurt that happened in the past before we can get to a space where we're able to actually have a productive discussion about this. Mm -hmm. Right. I was talking to a guy some years ago and I was at the university that we went to and we're sitting in the dorm and we're having a conversation and he had some like pretty rough things to say about the Latinx community. 
And like, I started talking about like someone we mutually knew who was like a part of the Latinx community. And he's like, nah, he's one of the good ones. So that like made me even more angry. Yikes. Like that made me even more angry. And we're having this discussion. But then as we have the discussion, like he begins to tell me about his past. And he begins to tell me about some things that like happened to him and his family in the neighborhood that he came from. And then I was able to say, oh, he's not speaking out of blind ignorance. He's speaking out of hurt. Hurt. Yep. So as we begin to talk, I was able to really like walk him through like, man, like this is a situation. Those are that was a person, not a people group. Like that person doesn't represent that right. whole people group. Right. And as we walked through that hurt, we were able to come to a place where we were actually able to talk. And I was able to peacefully challenge him. Story, they just bridge. They, yeah, they build bridges between worlds. I think stories, it's just so incredibly important. So let me ask this. I think, um, I think we, we would be doing a disservice to this topic of raising your voice if we did not address social media. We live, we live in this time oh, where man. as much as it makes me cringe studying communications and journalism in my undergrad, it makes me cringe that all you have to do to create content and to um, have a platform. To, yeah, to have a platform. You just have to have an email address. You don't have to That's have it. credentials. You don't have to have studied anything. <laughs> if you got an email address, you can say whatever you want and create an account. Oh my goodness. So so let's talk about social media and raising your voice. How? How do you discern what to give your voice to? Because I guarantee if we logged on right now, there's 17 posts flooding all of our feeds on, on any given app. I don't even know what they all are anymore because I'm old. But there's 17 different posts that you could log on and just drop your opinion on. And you log on to everything and it just asks you, what do you think? Man, you don't want to go down that bunny trail. We should not. So what do you do? A lot do? of people do though. What do you what do you do? How do you discern how do you discern how do you discern what to say and when on social media? Social media is so incredibly complex. And social media is for me is complex because I mean, we just talked about story and we just talked about face-to-face -face interaction. Mm -hmm. Social media is so interesting because like in the neighborhood that I come from, like if you had a problem with somebody, you said it to them, mm -hmm. you fought it out, and then you just got over it. But on social media, it creates a situation where you actually don't have to confront anyone. Mm -hmm. And I feel like some people call it liquid courage. I call it like... The courage of the thumb like keyboard warriors keyboard warriors people have that thumb courage yo and they don't have to see anybody mm -hmm. and they just start like speaking in ways that they would never speak in real life so i think for me i think like on social media step one is like authenticity i mm -hmm. try not to say anything that i wouldn't actually say to the people who are my friends on social media or my followers on social media like, I try not to say anything that I wouldn't say to them in person, mm -hmm. something that they wouldn't hear me say in conversation or something that they wouldn't hear me say in a sermon. Yeah. Like, I think there's I think there's that. I think that's a starting point for me. I try not to say anything in ways that I wouldn't. And what's crazy to me about social media is, man, like. Yeah, I'll post something 
and then I'll post something real simple. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, George Floyd's created in the image of God. Fact. P- period. Hashtag. Fact. Period. Like, hashtag Black Lives Matter. But because I hashtag Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter, Matter. Yep. there's this myriad of comments and people I love who are like, I can't believe you would hashtag that. Mm-hmm. Even though... I co-opt myself to organizations and I don't co-opt myself to the black lives matter organization. Let me just say that on here, but people who I love who co-opt themselves to political parties yeah. that do great evil in the world along with great good. Want to get on my social media posts and say things like <laughs> I'm disappointed you blah, 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 blah. I message them and then they say, I get either no response back or they say I'm not interested in having a conversation about it because these are things like it just gives people platforms to do and say things that they would never do or say ever to people's faces in real life. Whoa. Y'all couldn't see my face, but when he said he messages people and then they say, I'm not interested in having a conversation, my jaw dropped. Why are you commenting if you're not interested in a conversation? All the time. All the keyboard time. warriors. Don't be a keyboard warrior. Because <laughs> I, I think I think the first thing we all need to just do is we all need to recognize the like what what Rachel said just a second ago, which is all you need to have a platform is to have an email address and an opinion. Your Facebook posts require no credentials whatsoever. So for anyone with an email address, you can now give your opinion on whether you think, let, let's let's ease it up a little bit, right? Whether you think LeBron or MJ is the GOAT. <laughs> I, I got people all throughout my timeline who ain't never picked up a basketball in their entire life, never played an organized sport, maybe have never even watched a game. And also they're 16 years old, so they haven't even seen LeBron's entire career, let alone an ounce of Michael's. <laughs> And you're trying to tell me who the greatest of all time is? Excuse me. Excuse me. Like the same is true in in every other conversation. There are people, there are people who are just posting just because they think something. I think what we need to understand is like, we got to stop taking it so dang seriously. Mm. We got to stop taking it so seriously. Mm -hmm. Let somebody think like, I actually just rose my heart rate when I was talking about that right now, but you know what? (laughs) I need to let somebody think that, that, that LeBron is, is go over, over Michael Jordan. The person to my right thinks it, you know? So I need, I need to let him think that. Right. And I think that in the issue though, of, of getting back to the topic of like raising, like raising our voice, like when to engage, when not to engage, this is the general rule that I operate off of. Right. And, and anyone who follows me on social media knows I am far from the best example of like what proper social media usage is because I post like four times a year max. And it's usually when I'm taking my daughter out for French toast. Uh, like it's, it's really <laughs> entirely true. Like it's really not that deep for me. Okay. So, so take that, even that, like my opinion, weigh it. Right. But like the thing that I always go by is my posts can be challenging without being antagonistic. Mm-hmm. 
right? Like I can kind of like push the envelope a little bit or I can stand by a theological truth that I think directly applies to a serious situation like police brutality, uh, racism in America, presidential elections, whatever. Like I can post on that and take my stance on those things or, or post my, my biblical convictions on those things without being antagonistic. Right. And I think I think especially as Christ followers, we're called as a part of the body of Christ to be edifying, like to 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 say things and to do things that are edifying to the whole body, meaning they're helpful. Can we can I say it that way? Like they're helpful to the whole body. I don't need to play, you know, one side of the aisle or start pitting people against each other um, to take a theological stance and to, uh, you know, and to to be helpful. And I think I think that's not that's not something that that we see all that commonly. And then in regards uh, to comments, again, take it with a grain of salt because you know I am I am nobody, but I just stay out the comment sections. Like I try not to even look at them, um, let alone post in them. And if I see something that somebody I know very well posted that is troubling to me, I do not hesitate to message them directly text them, call them or, you know, uh, in the DMS or whatever and say like, yo, let's, let's, let's chop it up about this. Um, and sometimes they take me up on it. Sometimes they don't, but, but yeah, the comment section, like, nah, that, that's just a no for me. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's crazy. One of the women in our community as citizens, she, uh, yeah. She had God do this miraculous miracle. Man, her daughter, I believe, is seven years old now. So seven years ago, like the doctors told her that the baby was going to die, but she decided to go through with the pregnancy. Baby lives, is among us running around our gathering when celebration happens. It's a miracle. (laughs) She submitted her story to like humans in New York. And it was like incredible on multiple levels that like humans in New York, like has this Christian story on there with like a community of people like praying, like it's this incredible thing. But what's crazy is like people in the comment sections just like went ham, like, and were just like terrible as if she's like not a person. Mm -hmm. And I think like as Christians, I think, our ethics don't change. Like Starbucks made popular, like the sociological phenomenon of the third space. So, right. The two spaces, like the place you live and the place you work, work or you like your first two spaces. But Starbucks is like, I want to create this third space experience we hang out. where we hang out. Yeah. Well, social media is literally the fourth space. Yeah. It's like this virtual fourth space. Yeah. So the reality is like, it's here, it's around us. We're on it. Like to abstain from it is great, but it's where people are at. So like, I think the question for us is like, how ethically as Christians do we push ourselves towards being light in that space? And I think we take the the wisdom from the book of James, like be quick to listen, quick to listen, Mm -hmm. slow to speak, (laughs) slow to get angry. And that's ultimately where I was going to land this. Like, like a free side note, I look at the comment sections like the lion's den in Daniel. Oh. Like, like that. Like that's what it is. And I'm not voluntarily you need go, Jesus to get going, you out. <laughs> yeah, I'm not voluntarily going into the lion's den. All right, no, and no. nor do I recommend you go there either. Um, but I think where I would land this whole thing is ultimately, 
Um, and I'm not even saying realistically that that I that I perfectly do this all the time, right? But I cannot I cannot spend more time reading and obtaining uh, information more so from social media or other people's opinions than I do the inspired scriptures um, that that God that God breathed, right? Like I can't, I can't. And so if I want to know. Uh, what God's thoughts are on on what is happening in our country right now, I need not look to the pastors that I follow on social media to find that out. I need look primarily to the spirit that God has placed within me and the scriptures that he inspired a really long time ago. Mm-hmm. And then I can look for, you know, uh, affirmation of those things, but ultimately, like that's where the, that's where it has to come from. Like that's where my opinions and my my views and my understandings of things have to come from. Like the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the inspired scriptures um, that God has. And I think that I think that when we do that, and I would tie it all together by saying this, I think that when we do that, we are given the voice that God wants us to have. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when we get our information from the scriptures that God inspired and when we get our inspiration from the spirit that he places within us, we are then given and we know exactly what the Lord has convicted us to say and to raise our voice to. Episode two. That's all we got. Bless up. Bang, bang. Bless up. Bless up.